I am unashamed. What about you? So, um, one of the things that uh, I was thinking about just recently is that, you know, how many people uh, down here in Alabama, because I'm still at the lair, um, you know, one of my greatest opportunities to have spiritual discussions is, you know, they know that I preach and, you know, they know our family, most of them. So they, they ask me all the time about praying for them, and, uh, which is really great because it just kind of opens that door, you know, then to not only talk about something's going on, maybe it's a family member, maybe somebody's sick, you know, or maybe it's a job opportunity, but then it just opens that door to talk about Jesus or, you know, what's going on, you know, what, how, how, tell me about this person. And it just, it's just ministry and, you know, grace season with salt opportunities to talk people. And it's always struck me that prayer is, is something that's simple and yet it's profound at the same time because it's like this conversation. And when I think about the show, so many people tell me, um, they're like, you know, tell me why they love the show. I love Uncle Si, I love Jace, you know, I love your dad, I, you know, respect your dad. But then they always mention the prayer at the end. And so I, I love telling the story about how it came to be because I remember Lisa and I were participating in the pilot, but we wound up not coming on the show till later because it was so encompassing. I didn't realize it was going to take, you know, pretty much be a full-time job. But I remember uh, being there for that first family dinner scene. And you remember the fir- very first guy that directed the first, what wound up being the first two episodes, he was only there for that. And we never saw him again, but he loved the Dukes of Hazard, And so I think it's one that kind of in his mind, he thought this is kind of going to be like that. And, and then I didn't, I'd forgotten at the end of every episode of the Dukes of Hazard, Waylon Jennings did a little voiceover you know, kind of old Bo, old Bo did this and old Luke did that at the end. And so that's kind of what he had in mind for how our show was going to end around the dinner table. But it was dad who said, uh, hey, Mr. Director, uh, we we usually pray um, when we eat. And I, I, I'll never forget the guy was he kind of looked his eyes got kind of big and he was like, OK, let's do that. And so it was just dad, if you hadn't inserted that. It probably never would have happened. It would have just been something different. But because you did, it became sort of the signature of why people immediately noticed it was different than a lot of other stuff on television. So, as it as know. it turned out, and, and we found that uh, when he's talked about don't be yoked together with unbelievers, you could start with, we pray for our food. We're thankful for it. We pray to the God of heaven. Because I wanted them to know, you came down here to film a family structure. Well, this is the family structure and the way the way it works. We we got such a tiny bit of godliness other than what we do every day and all these things they came up with, this this episode and that episode. But you're you're tiptoeing through the tulips pretty good when you're being filmed in America, uh, and 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 you shouldn't be yoked with unbelievers. You see what I'm saying? Words, if, <laughs> well, they'd, if they'd all been God-fearing <laughs> people, they would have known we'd be thanking God for our food. But when we said that, it did reach a lot of homes when people said, huh, to them that was weird. But you, you would think ever since the country was founded and the people went west, 
and they would wagon trains and whatever and fought wild beasts and what all goes with conquering how the West was won, as they say on some of these shows. But uh, you would have think they would they wouldn't have forgotten so so quickly that some people live by faith in God Almighty. Well, right. I think the authenticity is what made. I mean, because look, there's lots of shows that they now say, know say prayers. Uh, there was some comedy I don't popped in my head. Uh, where they were praying to baby Jesus and all, and it was like because they're making fun of what. Oh, that was uh, that was the Will uh, Will Ferrell movie. Yeah, uh, Talladega Nights. Yeah, I, did, yeah, I yeah. was like, oh, I just I couldn't even watch. It. I mean, I'm like, even though it was an attempt to be humorous, it's or or people that on TV they'll show the driest prayers known to man. Which makes you think of that, you know, when Jesus said, when you pray, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret, which really the only thing that makes you a hypocrite in prayer is if you're not praying to a God that you believe is real. Yeah. If you're just praying, I mean, because a lot of people say, when they say, I'll pray for you, unfortunately, that means I have nothing else to say in this moment. And so that's always good. And doesn't mean they're actually going to pray, or if they pray, if they believe that God is actually listening. Yeah. So, well, but every I, I time, think... every time somebody asks me, you know what I do? I say, "Can I do that right now?" Someone yeah, say, that's good. Uh, "They'll come up and they say, I want please add my brother to your prayer list." I said, "Okay, I will. Can I pray for him right now? What's his name?" Because I figure if you're asking, let's just do it. I mean, let's because my open my line to the creator is open it's it's a it's always on open you know there's a yeah. conversation i think if you just if you for all the people listening out there and they say when we get to second corinthians chapter five six and seven until the end of it what what's the overall thrust beginning in first corinthians and he ends that up with the resurrection of the body, you know, in First Corinthians 15, reminds you of the gospel and all, and all of that. I think that if you just said, well, where would I go to verify and to understand a little more fully Second Corinthians 5, 6 to the end of it, 7, 8, you get to the end of it. If you just kind of thought back to Romans chapter 12, in other words, Paul told the Corinthians, since then, let's see right here. Uh, since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. That's Second Corinthians to the Corinthians. To the Romans, he said, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. At Corinth, they were having a little, uh, quite a bit of trouble 
with how you worship God as the sons and daughters of God without being misled, cut off, or tangled up in all the worldly things that's there. He did the th same thing to the Romans in Romans chapter 12. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of the world. That's Romans. Well, <clears throat> over on the Corinthians, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. You see my point, Al? It's just a replay, yep. but be transformed. Don't, don't be like the world by the renewing of your mind. And to Jesus' point, it all comes down to the heart, to, to, to what kind of heart you have. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And it's the same thing in Romans 12 by the grace, starts with grace, the same thing the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians. It's just sort of a Romans 12 needs to be read right after you go through First and Second Corinthians to show you it's just a pattern. The, the gifts, that, that was a big problem at Corinth. In other words, in Romans, just as each of us has one body members and these members do not all have the same function, in Christ we are many form one body. And then he goes into these gifts, prophesying, mean proclaiming the word, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, you wouldn't think serving would be uh, a gift. But the Corinthians were having, were struggling with these things. Let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. A lot of these things you say, encouraging others is a gift. You say, don't get tangled up with the unbelievers and forget that just encouraging people is a good thing to do. And some people are very gifted at it. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. That's mentioned throughout the Corinthian letter, generosity, give God what's God, Caesar what's Caesar. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, some of these things you wouldn't think they were worthy of gifts. But as you go down, love must be sincere. Well, that's 1 Corinthians 13. Love isn't patient, it's kind. So basically, if you're looking for to get into some scriptures where you have a lot of yeah, 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 just put the Corinthian letters, two of them, <clears throat> together with Romans chapter 12, what Paul said to the Romans. My point is the message is still the same. Jesus is the centerpiece. You're saved by grace through faith. So let your light shine before men and go into the all of that. Love must love, hate what is evil, cling to what's good. You're like, hmm, that, that covers, uh, don't be yoked with unbelievers. I mean, well, I think one of the most underrated things, though. So it, you it, won't understand the Corinthian letter enough until you read Romans 12 and read the, what Paul told the Romans, too. Same, same thing he told both of them. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Well, I think the most underrated weapon we have, you know, talking about prayer, because when he said in chapter 6, when he said we have the power of God in truthful speech with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, well, when we talked about that Ephesians 6, about our struggles not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers of powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil. When, they, when he went through this whole armor, and granted, we all have 
special gifts and different things. But we we have all these things in common. You have God's righteousness. You have God's truth. You have feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And we have the shield of faith. And then it's we have the the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Breastplate of righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. Breastplate of righteousness. He's explaining how all this comes together, all these gifts in the church. But then he gets to 18. Look, he spent the most time actually talking about prayer. Yep. Because he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions. So that's why it wasn't a shock when when we were doing the show and they said, you, you said, well, we, we pray before our meal, but we also pray, like Al said, immediately. I mean, I have an ironic story on this show that I'm currently doing now. One of the higher ups in the production realm had a tragic thing happen in her family's life. And she called me and she was like, I'm not going to be able to be on the show. I mean, or film with y'all this week or maybe two or maybe three. And, uh, so I did what you did, Al. I just said, and I mean, I wasn't, this is somebody I'm working with in a, I guess, worldly venture. I mean, TV show would be considered a worldly venture, even though professional capacity. About so. even, even though we have a, we try to, to have a spiritual angle on it. We'll, we'll see whether that makes the cut or not, but I, I'm pretty confident it will. But I just, I just said, well, let me pray for this situation. And of course, I immediately said, well, I'm not worried about it. You take care of your family is way more important than what we're doing. So I said a prayer. And, uh, of course, it was just, it became emotional. I was getting emotional. And we, we, we just like it, the show became irrelevant in this moment. As a human being, tra- bad things happen. It was just an accident, you know. And fortunately, everything worked out great. But it's just that's what we do. It's an it's an underappreciated thing. Not only does God work and we've been given access, but it also does something for us in that it allows us to be transparent and vulnerable to God and realize that we rely on, you know, his ultimate power. But just to finish reading this in Ephesians. Well, go ahead. Hang on. Let's take a break. So, Jace, you probably knows this like me. Um, the more stuff you buy, especially the big purchase items, the more you have to think about insurance uh, because, you know, stuff tears up. And uh, really, in, in essence, it's the same thing with us because we know we're not going to last either. And that's why life insurance, you don't think about it as much as a young person, although you should because we don't have any guarantees. Uh, but life insurance becomes especially important. Uh, as you get a little bit older and realize that, you know, we're not going to be on this earth forever. And so uh, maybe your job may be, may not be enough for you, and so you need a little bit more. And uh, we have a sponsor, Policy Genius, uh, that that is their specialty. Uh, you can go to policygenius.com slash fill, and you could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. And that's what they're going to do. Uh, they're going to compare, get all the best quotes for you. They're going to save you some money. Uh, they don't add on extra fees. They don't sell your information to third parties. Uh, they have thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. Uh, they have options that can help you, you know, whether it's medical exams, all the things that you need. 
They have helped over 30 million people shop for insurance, and they've placed $120 billion into coverage. So they're very good at what they do. Uh, go to policygenius.com slash Phil to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Phil to get your life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. To finish reading this in Ephesians, he says, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, and I think this relates to 2 Corinthians 5, because he just said we try to persuade men, we're ambassadors. Whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Yep. So I, you he he made that same reference in Second Corinthians yep. five, and then he said, "Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should." Well, he says that twice because it's one thing to come across as, "Oh, well, here's here's the details of what God did," and and it's one thing to have a Bible study or draw the line in the sand, but I'm gonna tell you, it's another thing when you believe God is real and you stand up in front of people and you say, "I believe Jesus." is lord and he's the son of god he came here down to earth and he died for my sins and he was resurrected and he wants to walk among us and live eternally with us there's something about sharing that fearlessly no matter what the consequences i mean i think that's that was paul's heart in that letter in chapter six because i mean he was getting beaten to a pulp for doing that but that's why he was so positive about it and he was using one of the greatest weapons there is in that he was communicating with the Father as his ambassador on earth, despite his past and his current troubles. Well, think about it, Jace. Think about that phrase that you just read in Ephesians six eighteen: pray in the spirit. And then think about that when, with what Paul told the Romans, to Dad's point, in Romans 8, uh, 26. He said, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Now, you know, a lot of people have made a lot about that, probably more than Paul meant to say uh, about that that passage but if you think about it the holy spirit lives in you and he is the mind of christ it's he is he is a part of god so he's there and a lot of times you know when you are struggling because your situation you're like i'm not sure what to pray for maybe maybe an end of life thing it may be some something else and you're relying on the spirit to then help you get that information out of your heart and to to the almighty and so it is a very intimate, that's why this prayer is so powerful. You mentioned about the emotions of that. It's a powerful thing for people, especially if they're not, if they don't do it very often, or maybe they don't have the spirit of God yet, then it's, it's, you know, it, it's something because you're, you're communing, you're bringing them into your communion of conversation with the almighty God. Exactly. And I, I think that's why it's so powerful when husbands and wives pray together. I mean, I love to hear Lisa pray because it's an expression of her spiritual walk that 
you know, then I get, I get in on that. I get to, I get to experience that with her. So there, there's there, the supernatural is happening uh, with prayer. So I think that's why it's so powerful. Well, not only are you appealing to God and prayer works, no doubt about that. I mean, he said you don't have, cause you don't ask, but even when this idea of the show came up, we had a couple that who are their leaders in the church, married couple, and they just heard that we were doing that and showed up at our house. I was like, hey, I ain't seen you in a while. And he's like, we we came by to pray for y'all on your adventure. So it was a little awkward. I was thinking, okay. But when they started praying, because I could tell people who do that on purpose, they're real good at praying because yeah. they do it all the time. Well, I became emotional just listening to them pray. I pray, but I thought there's a couple that I haven't seen in a while, heard about this, looked at each other and said, you know, we need to go pray for them. We don't need to send them a text, which would have worked and said, we're praying for you. I mean, they got in their vehicle unannounced, yeah. drove to my house, asked if they could pray for us, you know, put their hands on us and, and didn't want anything else. They just prayed for us. I mean, it was really amazing and, and awesome but uh it, it also made me have the right kind of attitude going into this venture when somebody does that for you uh it, it's just it's life altering it, it it changes your yes. perspective on it so it's real homely well, but i took away would... from it i need to do that more, what they did i need to have yeah. those ideas more in my yeah. own life well and, and one of the reasons a couple would do that is to dad's uh earlier description they have a gift of encouragement because they encourage you by that yep yeah. so that that was a gift to us there's a there's a couple at the church jason's you know it was, it was amazing you stay at a place a long time you're in people's lives you live life with them a dear sister who was in an abusive marriage when we were all young and we just you know walked through it with her uh she's a african-american sister and just were there. We loved on her. You know, she's close to our family. Well, she winds up, and the guy finally left her, and she winds up marrying the the one of the most encouraging people I've ever known, and and they're older now, you know. But they started a ministry. They call it the Barnabas Ministry because you know Barnabas's name meant son of encouragement, and they call it the Barnabas Ministry. And all they do is call people. They send cards to everybody on their birthday in the church and or little notes, reminders and stuff. They just, you know, they said, you know, we love doing that. That's We feel like that's something we can do. And so they do that together. But I think about this, from a woman who had such a bad experience with a with an abusive you know, husband and just such a hard time living life, who becomes now one of our church's greatest encouragers. I mean, you see stuff like that and it's just like, I mean, it's inspiring. So I may get up and preach or something, you know, we may be able to do something else, but I can guarantee you that's just as impactful into someone's life to have someone that has that gift and then, and then uses it. Yeah. Well, look, I, one of my weaknesses is uh, sometimes I'm surprised when God answers prayer, which is embarrassing but in my wife, she's confident. I mean, Missy, a lot of times something will happen. I'm like, I cannot believe that. And she's like, well, I pray for that. I was like, oh, well, it didn't mean it was going to happen. She's like, oh, I. I. <laughs> so I'm just being transparent here. But I thought about that First Thessalonians 5, 4, because I use this in my speeches about, you know, there's two kinds of people in the world, those who are going to be 
surprise when Jesus comes back and those who are ready. I think it's a good gauge of where you're at in your faith. You know, he says in First Thessalonians, this is right after First Thessalonians four thirteen through eighteen, which describes Jesus coming and us meeting him in the air, and so we'll be with the Lord forever. And then he's like, but this day shouldn't surprise you like a thief. So I'm like, in one vein, I'm like, when Jesus comes back, I am not going to be surprised because I think about this also. But in that same vein, if I'm going to believe that, why would I be surprised if I pray? Because there's more in, there's more about prayer, I think, than any other subject in the Bible. I, I don't know how many times it's mentioned, but it's a lot. Yeah, it it's it's a powerful weapon because he he goes into this same idea about the spiritual war in verse eight, right after that in first Thessalonians five, four in verse eight, he says, since we belong to the day, let us be self-control putting on faith, which is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see, which prayer Mm -hmm. would qualify putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation. I mean, here we go again. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through through Jesus. Will you skip down, you know, and go to verse 11 to your point, Phil. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. And then he goes to 16. He says, be joyful always, which is goes to Paul's point. Despite everything mm-hmm. that's going bad, he's still finding joy despite sorrow. And then it says, pray continually give thanks in all circumstances and and just listen to this next statement for this is god's will for you in christ jesus i mean that's a pretty profound statement and to tie it in with your romans 12 when it says you'll know offer yourselves as living sacrifices then you will know and approve what God's will is for you. Yep. It says that. So a lot of people are out there searching for God's will. And a lot of times while you're running around searching, you read something like this and you're like, being on your knees is fulfilling God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Yep. Well, you know, uh, let's take another break. You know, Jay's people pray for God's will to be revealed, but they only want it to be good stuff. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? From a worldly perspective, good. Like keep me from harm, keep me from, yeah, that's right. I mean, it's a tough prayer sometimes to say. But God's will plays itself out however it plays itself out. That's why he said in, in all circumstances. In other words, the time I have to rely on him and the time my prayer life, trust me, is the, is the most active is when I'm going through something difficult. Yeah, well, exactly. Things are going well. I tend to not be as, I mean, I'll be grateful, but I I tend to not be as uh, desperate uh, in that prayer. Well, that's why, Al, when I first became a Christian, I I used to be stumped when people said, well, how come bad things happen to good people? I was like, oh, I don't know. That's such a good question. (laughs) Well, now I'm like, so we'll rely on God. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's just part of it. I mean, the, all I had to do was read my Bible to figure that out because it's over Saint, and over. Second Corinthians one, you just described it. Yeah, Second yeah. Corinthians six. I mean, you cannot have any more trouble than what Paul. I mean, it's going to get worse when we get further along 
Where's that in chapter 11 when he's like, yep, yeah, I yeah. was beaten five times with rods mm-hmm. and seven times I was this and I got the 40 lashes minus one. Yeah, I've been shipwrecked a few times. I mean, it's just a it's a Tommy Topper of everything that could go wrong <laughs> has yeah, that's right. all in the name of Jesus. Yep. You're like, well, I mean, so then when he gets to 12, he's like, yeah, but God does some of his best work when I'm weak. And he's like, not only that, I got a thorn in my flesh. I've asked the Lord three times to take it away. He was using the prayer. He ended it up with his head leaned against a post. Detached from his body. Detached from his body. Yeah. So then you say, well, how come he just didn't pray? God didn't answer his prayer. God, I think it's we're we're are you praying with what's best for you? Are you praying what's best for God's perspective? Because we're going to win with his perspective, no matter what. Oh, I mean, you were going to live forever. We cannot be killed. He it's was absolutely problem. convinced of it. Exactly. It was the statement. Remember the statement that Paul said in Romans 4 about Abraham? It, he believed in his unbelief. I mean, yeah. to me, that, that's yeah. like, that really shows you what we're, in other words, yeah, we're going to doubt and all that, but the ultimate, at the end of the day, we're all in. And I think that's what prayer does. I, I wanted to, and you guys may have another one, but I, I wanted just to talk about one of my favorite prayers in the in the Bible. And of course, it was Paul who who prayed it. But you don't think about this passage being a prayer because uh, you hear it quoted all the time. But it is. It's it's in Ephesians three, and um, and he said for, for in verse fourteen, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. So he's he's talking about prayer from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you, talking about the Ephesian church, with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And here's one you hear quoted all the time. This is the prayer. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now that is a prayer. That's, That's a, prayer. a prayer. Because it, it says the irony of some of this, which I think the reason that those words just pass over our head a lot of times, because he's making these same statements that are hard to grasp, which is his point. He's praying that you can grasp it somehow. Because he's like, you can't even measure. You, you can't measure it. You, it's it's knowledge. I mean, it's uh, what did he say? He said, "I want you to know this love that surpasses knowledge." Yeah. Do what? Yeah. It it it's so beyond what's on this planet and the way we function. That's why it's hard to imagine it. It's hard to grasp it. It's hard to believe it. It's just. It's just so amazing and it's so unseen that it's just hard to wrap your head around 
and he, and you, you sympathize with it as you read wouldn't it. Wouldn't it be safe to say, Jace, that humanity, since the beginning of humanity, the first people that were ever on the planet, and right up to today, their greatest desire is for knowledge. I mean, more knowledge. We got to know more. We got to go. We got to go out in space. We got to go. We got to start breaking everything down where we can see it under a microscope. Everything is about knowing more. I'd say it's humanity's greatest quest is knowledge. And you're right. He says love is beyond that. I mean, it's surpassed. And he said that, that. Yeah. And he said the love of Christ because it was more, I think, here saying, you know him because he knows you. It's not about how much you know. It surpasses that. It's it's that you know the love of Christ. You know him because he knew you first on, on the cross. I mean, it, it's a kind of a brain, Think about it. brain teaser. It was 19, I think, oh, eight. <clears throat> 1908, <clears throat> which is just over 100 years ago. 100 years. Short period of time in all of human history. We were able to lift off the ground like a bird and fly about 100 yards. <laughs> and they, they had this contraption... It was the, huge. The, the, the Wright brothers, just a hundred, little over a hundred years ago, look at the progression of events from a hundred and fifteen years ago to the Wright brothers, saying, "Whoopee, we we fly like a bird," and just look at what's happened since then, as far as the quest for knowledge goes. Now you can take. Free rides to to the space station. If you got enough money, pay them. I've been they'll, saying they free. <laughs> they'll load you up, and they will leave the 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 boundaries of of gravity and put you into outer space for a few days for a vacation. Then you jump back on the thing and come on back in. I mean, you just think in the quest for knowledge on what the human race has accomplished, <clears throat> and I can see why. If that's where your all of your marbles are, if that's all you can see, I can see why the Apostle Paul would be saying, "This is bigger than that. It's it's bigger than that." Right. You know, you you, you, you still have death uh, uh, that could come at any moment, and there's a way out of here alive. Keep the faith. Get out alive. No matter how, no matter how much knowledge you gain, keep the faith. You get out alive, and then they're like, "You talking to me? You don't realize how smart I am." I said, "Smartness is not going to stop physical death that's coming your way, my my man." That's why he said, "said If I have the gift of all prophecy, can fathom all mysteries, oh yeah, and all knowledge, yeah, and that's the, we, we we got a mighty throng of them. That that's what they're claiming." Let's uh, let's take a break. Well, you just think if you walked up and said, I know everything, you yeah. just think if Before you, you make that, that point, I was going to say it was ironic that, Dad, that the, what you described in going into outer space is that they sent up Captain Kirk, and he's about 90 now. Yeah. And he played like he was in outer space. 
So yep. they said, we're going to really send you up there to float around for a few minutes. So he's up there banging us. And I thought from a human perspective, that's like, all right, we got it all right. You know, we had Captain Kirk out running around. Now we actually got him in space. We can go to the moon. Therefore, we're going to live forever. I said, no, you're going to go to the moon and you might die there. Or you might die when you get back or on the trip up or back. But <laughs> give yourself another 35, 40 years. You're done. You're dead. Uh, so yep. there's no hope. With all the knowledge outside this this book in front of me, I've never read anything about that gave me hope except this. That's why I say, Jesus, yeah, no, a, Jesus, number one, keep the faith, get out alive. I mean, it, it might have inspired me more if if he would have had a phaser out and a communicator, and there was an actual <laughs> Klingon. That's right. Yeah. That robot, or, but. <laughs> Compared right. to the show, because they were thinking, oh, this is this is going to provide inspiration to go to outer space. And I'm like, yeah, well, what I'm in on is that going to outer space is actually way down the list of things that I'm going to get to do. That's right. <laughs> I mean, that's just completely... that's, that's just my flight to get wherever I'm going. Yeah, this is. But the, I'll be flying myself. Right. That would be the hitchhiking version of going to a dream destination on the planet. I mean, you know what I mean? That's I mean, right. I know a lot's happened in the last hundred years, but the bottom line is, all the people, except maybe a four or five, all the people who were full of knowledge or whatever, they out. They're not here anymore. Yeah. They've all died. Yep. From 1908 to now, yeah, we've come a long way. He said, did it help you with staying alive? They're like, no, it, it, it didn't affect that. You know, everybody died anyway. I'm like, so what, what's the deal? The smarter you are, you think we're going to be able to conquer death without Jesus Christ? Well, and that's... That- that's been the theory behind that, that knowledge evolves. So you take a guy like Einstein and some of the brilliant people that, that did, they, they came up with some things, some cool stuff that we still enjoy. But if it was just about this life, so they, they, that was seen that ever increasing knowledge as being the ultimate, the evolution of the yeah. human mind. Yeah. But we're like, we're, we, we know the one that made it all. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he made all of us, though, theoretically, when you pray, you should already be thankful for the gifts he's given you because that's how we came up with these ideas anyway. Charles Darwin said, I could be wrong. And I'm like, you could are. be wrong. I'm still waiting <laughs> on that shirt, Al. I could be <laughs> it's wrong. It's coming. It's all to show that this power's from God and not us, which is why when it comes to prayer, I mean, I thought about that verse at Revelation chapter 5 where he's showing this vision of of heaven through apocalyptic writing and right in the middle of it, you have the lamb in the center and you have the elders around and he gets to verse 8 and he says, when I had taken the censer, uh, the creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb and each one had a heart and they were holding golden bowls full of incense and you're like whoa, 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 what is it what does this mean and it says which are the prayers of the saints i mean it was that profound enough to be included in this vision of jesus and leadership around him in this picture you know victory 
I mean, the prayers of the saints were mentioned as an important component to this scenario. I've always found that interesting. And then it says they sang a song, you know, of course, we're focused on on Jesus. He's made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. So that's why I think one of the people who believe this is futuristic, I think they're not looking at the power of prayer. I mean, what makes us members of the kingdom of heaven on earth right now is we have access to God. We're ambassadors of Christ. We have the the power that God provided to communicate with the creator of the universe right now. And as John would say, the apostle who loved Jesus, Jesus loved him. I write these things to you. Now, just think in lieu of all of our escapades with high technology in the last hundred years. I write these things to you, believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know, you may know, not hope, you may know, you have eternal life. To me, high tech begins to fade quickly on our accomplishments from being able to fly like a bird and go into the cosmos on a spacecraft, I'm like, it's all good. That, that's real good. <clears throat> but does does it does it make me know I have eternal life through all of that? You say, no, can't help you there. Well, especially wouldn't if it crashed. Technological crashed. advances won't, won't <laughs> help you out at all. I'm like. I mean, they do crash and have crashed. That is correct. Then what? Where are you going in? That's my point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you're shooting for the stars and you never get off the ground, yeah. that's a miss. Yeah. That's all you got going. Um, let's take a break. Well, and and what about that? He can, he can, he is able to give you more than not just what you ask or can even imagine. You know, human beings, we got pretty good imagination. And he's saying his power goes even beyond human imagination. Because, Jace, we've made the point before that human imagination, so much of it is based in God and the Bible and stuff that's happened already. You know, people think it's just they come up with a clever thing. And you know, oh, no, we read about that here. You know, it's in the Bible. Because, I mean, God made us with this capacity. But he says, I'm in your prayers, I can provide even more than you've even could imagine at, at this point. Yep. And to me, that blows my mind because I hadn't even thought of it yet. He says, and I'm able to provide. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it really is. I, there's a reason where Jesus, when he got to the planet, I mean, here he is to make the living God known. You know, that's that John one seventeen. Mm-hmm. And he made that illustration that I read earlier about when you pray, it's a conversation that's transparent. You're not going on some street corner to try to impress people. But it says when you pray, you don't, and it doesn't matter that how long it is or, you know, with many words. And and then he just gave this simple prayer in Matthew 6, 9. He said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, which connotates it's our father. I mean, we've come together as, as sons and daughters, which is hard for religious people to get in their head a lot of times. I mean, they're like, he's mm-hmm. my father, not yours, because you, you do this. I mean, I think the subtleness there is powerful. 
hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, which is, you know, in Corinthians, when we're talking about being ambassadors, we're representing heaven. That's why, you know, the same illustration that he's using in 2 Corinthians 6, he, he kind of used in Philippians 3. Remember when he said, I want to become like Christ in his death and somehow to attain his resurrection? And he goes through all his suffering and everything he thought was to his worldly success, he now considered rubbish. Well, then he gets down at the end and he says, our citizenship is in heaven. I mean, we're representing heaven because that's where we're from. I'm not from wherever he was from. Right. And so then he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which we talked about that your will be done earlier. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive. And he's talking about powerful and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Hmm. Simple, powerful meaning. All this talk about worldliness. He died for all, Jesus did, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again, which is the centerpiece of where we've been and where we are and where we'll stay. So now we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, and a lot of them still do, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come and it all comes from God. You, you, you read that and you say, you know, it's not rocket science. I know about rocket science, but I know it won't get me out of the ground and remove my sin. Rocket <laughs> science will not remove your sin or raise you from the dead. That's the problem with rocket science. Yeah. Although it'd be fun. You know. Be fun. What a ride. Yay. <laughs> I hope we can get back to planet yeah. Earth. Sometimes you do, son. Sometimes you don't. But that's quite a, the ride, huh? Yeah, that's oh, a, yeah. Dad, that's that's a new book idea, Dad. The problem with rocket science. <laughs> but you know, you think about all the things you've seen in life. It won't get you out of here alive. Period. <laughs> I mean, look. I remember one night I spent thirty minutes. Uh, this is kind of morbid, but. I found somewhere on YouTube, they were, you know, they have these boats, these boat races that took off, and especially from the South, you know. But they make the boat so fast, they get faster and faster and faster. Well, I, they had a 30-minute clips of different boats that were going so fast that the wind caught them just right or in the turn. And what do they do? It just flipped one flip after another. And the man is just flying oh, out. You see them doing cartwheels. I mean, they have them going out on the dry land, people <laughs> running, jumping. <laughs> That's what made me think when you went, yay. I mean, all that seems fun and great and how smart we are and how fast we can go until it suddenly goes wrong. Oh. <laughs> But then people are mesmerized with the crash where it's then it becomes knowledge becomes entertainment for people to to see the crash. You know, you're just like, well, what, what a bunch of idiots. It's like I me, think we all, they got, they I, these shows air disasters and I don't I, I've never watched one, nor will I ever because I'm on an airplane all the time. It's like the last thing I want to do is fill my head with images of every airliner that's ever gone down. I'm just like, that is correct. And that's why God, in his wisdom, started out with the whole thing all the way from Genesis 3 
he'd be born of a woman, the seed of a woman will save the world. And when he finally shows up, he said, I'm going to make sure they count time by that. That's why he said all time is predicated on the arrival of Jesus Christ 2,022 years ago. You count time by it. Okay, you say, hey, that's a, you know, I, I heard about him, you know, the one I'm counting time by, but I never have investigated him. That's a worldly point of view. That's old school. Right? That, that's, you know, faith, nah. Hope, no. Love, no. It's sad to watch. It is. And, uh, and, and without him, we, we have nothing, even though, again, oh. it may seem like people have everything. Um, in our last few minutes here, um, Jace, you mentioned that you read the Lord's Prayer, and a lot of times people will—I don't know—and I don't want to judge people, but I mean it's almost like it's ritualistic with the prayer. When I, when obviously when you read some of the other prayers we've read, it's more of a conversation, and Jesus just gives you some tenets of if you want to. If in fact I was thinking about that prayer, if you just lived your life, if you had a checklist, and every day you checked off. There's kind of like six themes there that you were living. That would be the way to live. I mean, God has his place. You know, he's he's number one. Uh, I'm, I'm living a kingdom life, not a worldly life. When I think about supporting my family, making a living, whatever, I'm giving God thanks for that. Not always thinking about, you know, what I'm going to store up for myself, more about today. And then if I forgive people as I'm forgiven and then I and, and God delivers me from the evil one, I mean, that's... That's the old, there's your day right there, Jace. That's, that's, yeah. that's a day in the life of what yeah. we are as believers, that prayer. Yeah, which exactly. Is pretty, which is I was pretty trying incredible. to find that movie where it was some, they were stunt driving or something and they drove off a cliff. I could not, I couldn't find the movie, but I remember the line. I mean, guy crashed and they looked and he's like, he may be okay. I mean, he fell off like a 200 foot cliff. And then about when he said that, the, what was left of the vehicle went <laughs> it just burst in flames. And he said, yeah, maybe not. No, maybe not. Yeah. What was that movie? I, 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 I don't remember, I don't remember the name of it. But my point I was going to make is if you're waiting to that stage of your life to pray, which is what we do. Look, I've been guilty of it too. Most of the times our prayer life ticks up when we're literally have been just devastated We've waited to hit the very absolute bottom in a jail cell or in a hospital to where we say, you know, maybe I should, uh, you know, ask God for, I mean, and, and that's why sometimes it's viewed wrong on how we pray, you know. I mean, it, it should be a daily occurrence. I mean, this is something I definitely need to work on, and I'm glad we had this discussion today. So, Jace, what was that? What's the sound you never want to hear? Do that, do that again. <laughs> Yeah, especially as a but you learned this, Al, because most of your life you've been clean shaven. But as a bearded man, you never want to hear in close proximity to you. <laughs> I'm just thinking every time I've ever heard that, it always turned out bad. <laughs> yeah. All right, yep. so we're gonna go to overtime. There's one prayer I wanted to mention that we didn't get to. I wanna I wanna get your guys' take on it. And we'll do that in overtime. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, 
Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.